0: Welcome to my podcast Freestyle. I really hope you enjoy this episode and if so, please share it on social media. Today I'm delighted to welcome Ryan Shannon. Ryan is based in Gloucestershire with his partner Callum Whitworth, where they train, produce and sell dressage horses. Today I want to find out about Ryan's background, why he started selling dressage horses, his top tips for selling and buying dressage horses, Piaffing and much more. I personally use Ryan to PF my own dressage horses and I know that he's instrumental in many other dressage riders careers in backing and producing their horses. So today will be very interesting to find out more about Ryan and his future plans. Thank you for listening and please share.
1: Hi, Ryan. Hello, how are you doing?
2: Yeah, I'm good. How are you?
1: Not bad, thank you. So thank you for joining me on this lovely sunny day. Um yeah. my first question is is, are you family horsey, and how did you get into dressage?
2: Um, my pe- my mum was a little bit horsey, um and I was sort of brought up in Manchester sort of in like uh like the town really so we weren't really around horses it's like you know it wasn't in the countryside or anything like that but I was really always yeah Um. and when I was my mum did a sort of money scheme like when you when we was younger so like she used to I think it was like pound or two pound a week so I think the idea was that when we got to sort of 17 18 she was we was going to buy a car with it I guess Um, yeah but when I was about 12 I was like I was like mum can we sort of cash it in now and maybe buy a horse yeah put a lot of pestering and then she eventually did so I had about 800 pounds for a she was a thoroughbred cross yeah, like completely overhorsed myself. I <laughs> um, actually like petrified me because I'd only ever like been on riding school and rode like you know little ponies and stuff. So when she when I ended up with this horse, I was like really sort of like out of my depth. But I stuck with it, and then yeah, and then from there I just gone on from there. And then I started working a few sort of horse dealers around around our area. Um, and then went on from there, really.
1: Cool. I don't know what, have you got brothers and sisters as well? Do they ride or anything?
2: No, so I've got a brother and a sister. Um, and then yeah. my sister did a little bit of riding with me at the beginning, but then she sort of faded out as they do and got into boys and things like that. So she never really carried it on. Whereas my, and my brother was completely sort of football mad. So he was never into, into the horses.
1: And as you focus always been dressage, or have you done jumping as well?
2: So, to begin with, I really wanted to be a show jumping rider. So, um, I worked for quite a lot of sort of dealers and producers, um, and really wanted to focus on show jumping. Um, yeah. And then, sort of, I couldn't really... I really wanted to be a rider, and I got a little bit sort of... A little bit disappointed because uh, I was working hard. We're not really getting anywhere. Yeah. So, so uh... Go on. So, in the end, I sort of thought, well, maybe I'm going to have to do something maybe a little bit different. So, I did a bit of hairdressing just so <laughs> I could earn a bit of money. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, and then I was doing the hairdressing. And I thought, yeah, my heart wasn't really in that either. So, I Went uh, yeah.
1: back to horses.
2: Yeah, I went back into horses then. Um, and decided to make a, sort of, go up making a business out of it.
1: So that's how you started selling the horses then?
2: Yeah, so I um, started, my dad loaned me, I think about he loaned me about £8,000.
1: Yeah. And
2: we went to Holland, I bought two horses. Um, brought and
1: what up. age would you have been then, Ryan, when you started doing that? That
2: was 2008, so I was about, I think I was about 22. Yeah. Yeah um yeah and then I started so I brought two horses over and then sold them quite quick and then went back and bought another another two and then sort of like went on from there really so I the main focus at the beginning was jumping horses so I sold a lot of like three-year-olds jumping and eventing horses that went out um they'd done quite well um and then I did get the odd Phone calls, then people asking for dressage horses, so I started looking for those as well. Then,
1: yeah, and has it been easy building the business up to what it is now? Has that been a long process, or?
2: Um, Yeah, I would say there's been a lot of like hard, hard work. Yeah. Um, Yeah, like so. The main focus when I started out was sort of like dealing horses. So I started buying buying three year olds and selling them quite quick. You know, sort of like within a couple of weeks and then going again and you make okay money it's what i would say you make you know it's quick profit on on a young horse like that and then you go again and um, so i was making okay more money but not really you know i i really wanted my own place and things like that so um then when i met callum we sort of changed the business sort of a little bit we started producing horses then so training them and then obviously you know you once you train a horse they end up a little bit more expensive Uh, that's the sort of direction we went in then
1: so would you say you've gone for sort of higher quality horses now then but more expensive that's what you do
2: um yeah i think we just like like to say we focus now on producing a horse so uh we're not in a rush to sell them you know so
1: because you've just re- you not moved you moved like not so long ago, didn't you? And you've set up your uh, new yard, whereabouts is that? Just for people,
2: yes. that are listening- yeah. So, we um, when I moved to Gloucester, we started renting um, a couple of places. I'm based at Sandra Biddlecombe's play uh, yard for a while, which was really good. So, you know, have got a lot of a lot of um
1: experience and stuff. Yeah,
2: especially with Sandra because she was one of the first ladies to import uh horses from Holland. So she you knows she's got a really good eye for a horse and Tony uh, Tony also. So we had a really good sort of time there and learned a lot. Yeah. Um, and then we had sold a horse quite well. and, um, and we seen sort of some land for sale and we was like maybe we'll just go and have a look. Yeah. Um this is, this is where we are now. So it was a barn and just some land. So we bought that. Um, and then at that time, they were selling the house as well at the same time, but we couldn't afford afford to buy the house. But So we sort of asked them if we could um, rent it for two years um, and then see if we could get a mortgage on it. And luckily it worked out quite well. So oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: So, lo- yeah, it's a lovely yard. I've been there once. It's lovely what you've got. So well done. Yeah. And in terms of the business, can you give uh, three tips for people buying dressage horses, like the dos and the don'ts, if you like?
2: Yeah, Um, I would say probably the first thing would be to like be realistic about you know what you what you want and what you can ride. Uh, Yeah, get a lot of clients who come and like you know they want the next Vallegro and one that moves like stink and all the rest of it but actually they're they're not really capable of riding that sort of horse um so yeah i mean like you know you you know a horse that's got three three good paces and a good temperament especially for an amateur
1: yeah
2: uh, i would say that would be a good tip um yeah again and like also with your budget you know if some you know if you've Lucky enough to be able to buy a horse for like 50,000 plus, then you know you can buy the best and whatever. But if you haven't, then sometimes you have to like
1: compromise a bit,
2: yeah. Especially with a horse, like there's a lot of horses that go to waste that maybe have got a little something on the x ray or the crib bite or something like that. It's not to say that they're not going to be good horses, you know. So, yeah, um, and I'd say go with your gut as well because like that's you know,
1: a good one yeah
2: in the past I bought horses and I've, there's always something that I liked about them and then I've got them home and then I thought oh, God, I can't you know why did I buy that horse I can't believe I bought that horse but sort <laughs> of like time goes on you think yeah that's why I bought it. you see it come back again yeah um, I always think that's a good thing to do is go with your gut instinct really
1: yeah so if you were looking for a horse for you then what would you look for with the x-factor something like that
2: um, yeah, I like horses with a lot of go, so I like horses that really, you know, they're quite, not a stupid heart, but they've got a bit hot enough to go. Um, I like something with a bit of character, you know, I don't mind a horse with a bit cheeky character.
1: Have you got your own horse then that you will keep, or?
2: So we had, over the sort of like past sort of five years, we've like bred our own horses, so we tend to keep those ones, and um, the oldest one now is eight-year-old
1: yeah
2: Uh, so i have a couple of horses that we've bred that i'm we're gonna sort of keep and run Mm -hmm. them yeah yeah so yeah i've got a nice six-year-old mare at the moment um she's going quite well she hasn't actually done much computing yet so uh hopefully in the future we'll we'll get her out
1: that's good and do you think that selling horses has changed over the last 10 years for
2: instance Uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Why would
2: that be? <clears throat> um, I think prices have gone a lot higher. Uh, yeah. In the past, like you know, if you went out to buy a three-year-old, you could buy a real fancy one for like ten thousand pounds, you know. But now you're talking about an unbroken, at least twenty or thirty. Yeah. Uh, a four-year-old ridden a really nice, you know, just a nice one one, forty, fifty thousand now. Uh, yeah. And also vetting, it's quite hard to get a horse crew vetting now. So strict, you know, everything's x-rayed and horses easily fail the vet, which is a shame, I think. You know, like I say, a lot of horses a lot of horses get pushed by the wayside just for a little stupid thing on an x-ray. It doesn't mean to say they're not going to be good horses.
1: And what do you think about, like, the Brexit? Do you think that'll change things quite a lot?
2: Or... Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a bit difficult for the sort of, dealers um bringing in horses from from europe now
1: yeah hopefully they'll um sort it out in the future it's one of those things i think that might be chaos to start with and then eventually they'll
2: hopefully work out yeah yeah it'll
1: level out and yeah Yeah.
2: but i think it might be a good thing for like the british breeders and yeah definitely people probably spend a bit more money looking at horses here
1: because do you do you have a mixture then of horses that you import and do you get them from England <laughs> as well and like your own yeah, horses that you've brought, yeah. yeah, I
2: have actually. In the last couple of years, I've actually been buying a lot of horses from England, a lot of foals, because so many good breeders now in England. So you know, there's some really nice yeah definitely nice foals in England to buy now.
1: And um, do you think horses selling trends like oh, not really? Do you think people? It's still quite an individual thing when people are buying.
2: Um. I think you get like yeah. I think I do think you get little waves of trends. Like there's when um, Charlotte and Vallegro did really well at the Olympics. It was quite a big um, big trend for Negros. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think there's yeah. There's always a
1: good oh, horse is a good horse. Isn't
2: yeah, it? exactly. Yeah.
1: And um, do you find falls for buyers as well then?
2: Yeah, uh, we do. I look, I'm always like, I'm really like obsessed about <laughs> anyone that knows me knows I'm like really obsessed about looking on videos and looking at horses and stuff. So I'm always looking out at like breeders and looking for foals, and I do get a lot of people asking me to look out for them. Uh, yeah. Which I really enjoy actually, I really like that.
1: And do many people buy from videos or in your experience or not really?
2: Uh, I've saw a lot of horses from videos a lot of like um <coughs> clients from sort of america will buy from videos yeah Okay. Yeah, cool. much in england i think people tend to tend to want to come and try them um yeah
1: and then um, tell me about a couple of success stories of horses that you sold that people might know of
2: uh, um so like i say, from the beginning i've always mostly sold jumpers um so a lot of so a few jumpers that i've done quite well i did i sold a horse called the nook which went on was second in the hickshead derby a couple of years ago cool. um uh, called richard howley um uh sold a couple of eventers one to a really good owner from america called sarah hughes she bought a couple from me uh one was Alcatraz, which she did really well with. He's like one of the last like <coughs> big sort of indoor company, indoor eventing. Um and the dress or choices I guess are so, sort of there's a few at small to not quite Grand Prix yet, but um yeah, there's some coming through.
1: Excellent. We'll have to watch out for them then. Yeah. Uh, um and do you think there's such a thing <laughs> as buying a cheap horse?
2: Uh Anymore, or not really. I think they're quite rare but they do come along like I say sometimes you know I have actually got a horse at the moment a little bit quirky but I think suited to the right person you know, it's probably going to be a good horse as long as it gets in the right hands um, yeah. sometimes you come across them but not not really often I would say
1: um, we've, You've already kind of touched on this already but budgets and value in horses um, I think you said before like the brackets but um what's your, view, what's your view do people like ring you up and ask you to help them pick because not everybody knows what hike how, how like a lot of clients will ring me and they're not they haven't really got a clue like of yeah know, how much a horse should be is there anything you can um, help out with in that way
2: yeah i think um sometimes people are a bit funny as well like if you say you know what's your budget they think, i think they sometimes think that you're gonna show them a horse for the top end of the budget just because they said it yeah um But I think like especially for an amateur if they wanna buy a a horse that's got a good temperament, good paces, um, four or five year old, I mean you're you know, you're gonna be looking at spending around thirty thousand I would say now. Yeah. Uh, Especially something that's gonna go through a vetting really easily. Um yeah, and you know, like again, like then yeah, I've had a few people for schoolmasters, that' trained horses and um sometimes you can get lucky with something that's a bit older, you know, somebody selling an older, they're not too expensive. Um
1: Yeah.
2: But yeah, I mean like horse prices now, especially like the really good horses, uh can be telephone numbers, can't they now? So.
1: Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so it must be a bit frustrating sometimes when people have unrealistic expectations for a budget, that must be quite hard but I guess it's one of the, I um, one of the things
2: I get is... a lot of people looking for a horse that's you know, they want something that's elementary level um, good temperament, good mover and they've got about 10, 15 and those horses are like
1: Yeah, not going to find one I uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Um. And what's your favourite bloodline and why?
2: Um, yeah. My favourite bloodlines are, I like jazz. I like, yeah. They're quite they're, I know people don't really like them because they're sharp, spooky. Oh, but I love jazz. It's yeah. Cool. But like, you know, a lot of Grand Prix horses by jazz because he's got the go and they are very trainable, I find. Um, Sandro Hit again, not people like don't like him, but I really like them. I like the D blood as well, like De Niro. Um... Zach's a good one. I like yeah. to be by Zach. So uh, what
1: would you recommend for someone that's looking like for trainability and temperament then?
2: Trainability temperament. Um like the D de- like yeah, like the D blood, I would say sort of like, you know, the De Niro's known, uh, really nice horses, good temperaments. Um What else is a good one? I think the Dutch horses tend to be quite hot and sort of sharp, don't they? Yeah. More and blood, which are a bit more. Rideable, yeah. yeah.
1: And like, do you have a preference with mare's gelding stallions? What are your favourite?
2: Uh, I don't actually mind, actually. I get on with the most horses, really. Um, I think a good mare is, you know, better than a gelding sometimes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I quite like stallions, I like I like the stallions that reactive. sometimes you can get a stallion that's a little bit sort of, his mind's on other things, so they can be a little bit bit lazy and a bit not willing to do stuff, so yeah.
1: I've got a question, do you and Callum like similar horses or?
2: Um, yeah, I would say we're very similar actually, yeah, very similar in what we like. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Callum likes, you know, horses with lots of girls as well and big movers um
1: do you ever fight over them or?
2: sometimes we do <laughs> yeah like sometimes we swap horses and then we're not so uh willing to give them back but <laughs> yes oh.
1: um and as part of your business you back and break horses um a few people have asked me of like how do you like to start them
2: yes yeah, so, yeah we do break a lot of horses in um so we get a lot of horses come to us that are basically sort of, you know, out of the field, so never done anything. Yeah. So, and then we get a lot of horses that have come to us that have sort of maybe done a little bit of lunging or they've been faffed around with a little bit. But what we sort of we sort of treat them as if they've never been broken anyway. So we always start at the beginning. Um, we start by, so I just start by lunging them on a head collar. Yeah dungeon head colour, getting them used to that and then progressing from there really in with the bridle and the saddle. Um, and then we do use um, an Ardell dummy now.
1: Oh
2: do you? Yeah which is a really really good thing to use. Um, gives you an idea about what horse is going horse to be like right when yeah. you get um, but most of the time when a horse has accepted the dummy they're really easy to get a rider on. Um, but I think spending the time sort of getting a horse's mouth like you know with the side reins on the lunge does make a lot of easier like a lot of people are sometimes a bit too quick to get on them i find like yeah a couple of weeks and get get on and off to go which is fine but then when you come to sort of steering and going on a circle and stopping and starting it's not so easy then
1: do you Uh, do like double lunging and long reining as well yeah do
2: a lot of long reining. yeah um yeah um and just sort of going with, going at the pace that the horses accept, except, you know. Yeah, that the horse wants over. you to go, yeah. yeah. And each horse is different, so some horses are easier than others.
1: So, like, an easy one, I know it's quite a broad question to ask, but would you roughly say how long would it take you to break them in from the beginning to get them, what, and cantering, and ready to put on somebody?
2: Yeah, I would say, like, a straightforward easy horse, six to eight weeks, I would say.
1: Yeah. Cool. Um, and then do you take them hacking and things like that as well? Like, yeah, we're looking
2: yeah. For where we live. We've got sort of quiet lanes, um, so not much traffic. So it's quite nice for to get on them and sort of riding around the lanes and things like that, yeah. And do you so, do pole
1: work and cavalettes and stuff with them when they get a bit older?
2: Um, I do. I do. Cause I, like I said, because I come from the jumping, I quite like getting on them and riding them over a the jump and stuff. So, That's um, good. Yeah, whereas Callum wouldn't, wouldn't. He doesn't like going up a leaving the ground so he sort of uh, leaves that to me really.
1: And what do you think about like turning them away and do you think that's, do you think again you've got to approach it for each horse um, individually? Yeah,
2: Yeah. big horses Um, horses like you know big gangly horses I think is a good idea to sort of turn them away, give them a little break and then bring them back in and they do always are better for it Yeah, Uh, I do think that a lot of people th- like say, you know, that they've got a big, tall, three-year-old, and they're going to wait till he's four or five to break him in. I don't think that is actually a good idea. I think yeah. getting on and backing them and then turning away is always a good thing because waiting for a horse to be like really big and strong is sometimes not an easy job to then break it in.
1: Yeah, it's too um, much power, isn't
2: it? Yeah, and also they're they're a little bit more challenging in the temperament as well. Then
1: yeah, oh, it's interesting. Um, and can you tell me a little bit about your PFing? Because you've been in PF my horses, and you do a really good job with them. <laughs> um, but how how did you like start? Because you go around doing clinics now, Piafing. yeah. I do
2: Quite a lot of that now. Um, yeah, I'm really busy with that. I've, um, I I think because I I've, I've, I'm really like interested in sort of, in horses, and um, so I've always watched a lot of it on sort of YouTube and various like people doing it like. Morton Thompson and David Pincus um, he helped me a little bit at the beginning
1: yeah uh, and then
2: obviously because we have so many horses I've always like almost like started off just experimenting on our own yeah uh, then got then progressively got quite good at it so then people started asking me if I would go out and do some of their horses and it's just come from there really so yeah but I really enjoy that
1: so what age would you roughly do you start doing it with your own horses that you're training?
2: um we do sort of as the with the four-year-olds just start doing a little bit of in hand like just getting them to lift the leg when you're touching um and building it from there and some horses like you can touch with touch them with the whip and they instantly can react straight away you know start maybe start doing a bit of piaf and stuff but others take time and it's just like going at a horse's pace again really
1: so would you do you recommend to do it a couple of times a week or?
2: Um yeah, I would say at the beginning. Yeah, just like little bits really, just like getting them to lift a leg. I like it's surprising how many horses, like when you do a halt and walk on in hand, some of them how like they can't cope with it. Right. So things like that. It's just like general submission is a good thing for them. Um Yeah, and just building up from from there really
1: did you like them to be fully competent doing it in hand before you put the rider on them?
2: yeah I think so I think it's good that if the, when the horse you know understands what what you do, then when you put a rider on you you're still there so they still understand it yeah yeah
1: that's good no, that's good to know thank you um and you and your partner Callum, run the business what does a, t- a typical day look like for you guys
2: uh so we um Start normally at half seven. Um we've got quite a good team of staff now, so normally through the week Callum starts riding about eight. Yeah. Uh we try to get all the horse worked around before one o'clock. And then <laughs> he does a quite a bit of teaching now. Um obviously I do some yeah sort of stuff in the afternoon. Yeah. Uh, and then on the weekend, it's pretty much me and Callum most of the time. So we still sort of muck out and do the horses. And we tend to have a bit of an easier week- weekend. Um, yeah, we sort of schooling them four times a week and then hacking, going to the field. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then obviously, if you've got people coming to look at horses, that you just slot that like in there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, at the moment, like I said, because of, of Brexit, uh, COVID, Yeah, but it is sort of picking up again now so yeah Um, but I sort of generally deal with that side of it really so Yeah
1: that's good Um, and what are your goals for the rest of 2021 and beyond for you and Callum do you think in the (laughs) business? Big question
2: (laughs) Big question Our goals for this year I would say are we've got a couple of young horses that we want to do the young horse classes with um, Callum's really keen to. He's got a uh, horse, really good horse owned by an Indian girl called Viveka the Rathor, who is hoping to get out at sort of into two level Grand Prix maybe this year.
1: Is that the one that he won the nationals on? Was it last year? Or? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, that's um Horton's Barolo that one so. Yeah, so that's quite exciting. And Callum hasn't done a Grand Prix yet, so it'll be quite nice. um...
1: Oh, that'll be exciting.
2: Yeah. Um, And for the future, I would say I really want to... In the future, my biggest goal is to have a stallion sort of breeding station here. Oh, really? Yeah, that's my biggest goal. I would say I would quite like to own breeding program with mares. Because you've Uh, got
1: a licensed stallion, haven't you?
2: Not at the moment. No, there is a stallion um, owned by Sue and Rob Ferris that they've got out in Germany, which is approved Oldenburg. He's still actually over there waiting to... um, Because of COVID, he didn't get a chance to do his test, so he's actually still over there now. Yeah. Um, But that's a really nice horse. That's a Franklin... So um, yeah, yes.
1: the nicest the
2: nice frankly. Yeah. Right? We've got a few of those. Uh, yeah. We have uh, you know, three or four of them. I quite like the idea of having stallions and having them in competition as well. So like they're proven sport horses. Yeah. A bit like Gertie and Van Oost and Anna Van Oost with all their, sort of, their stallions. It's quite nice that you see them competing as well as having yeah. really as well.
1: Yeah, cool. Sounds like, does sound exciting. Well, good yeah. luck with it all, Ryan. And um, thank you for talking to me today. And you never know, we might be able to get Callum on one day. We can talk about his, his competitions and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, thank you.
2: You're welcome. Thank Take you. care. Bye. Okay. Bye.
0: Thank you Ryan. It was really fun to talk to you. I think what came across is how passionate you are about your business and what a great team you and Callum are. So I wish you all the best in the future with all your up and coming horses and I hope that you do get there with having the stallion station. That sounds really exciting. If anyone wants to find out more about Ryan it's shannonequestrian.com and I'd be very grateful if everyone could share this. Thank you very much for listening.